0: Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. And today, we are getting back into interviews. I've got an interview with a good friend of mine, and his name is Brandon Adams. Now, Brandon is a guy who, about a year and a half ago, told me that he wanted to create an entrepreneur event for young entrepreneurs, for millennials, people in college, people in their early 20s, in our Kind of small city of Des Moines, Iowa. And he told me, I want to have 10,000 people there and I want to have nationally recognized speakers and we're going to raise a ton of money on Kickstarter. And I was like, dude, we are kind of just out of college. This seems a little bit crazy, but hey, go for it. And Lo and behold, just a few months ago, he put the event on. He had nationally recognized speakers on it, like Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank. He had Ken Shamrock, who's a famous UFC fighter. And the event went amazingly. They had a pitch competition. There are people who are making deals with some of these really successful entrepreneurs. And I was just incredibly impressed with just the hustle and the drive and the ability to make connections and make things happen that Brandon has. So in this episode, I'm just going to have a conversation with him to break down what it took to build this event and to do a lot of the things that he's done around the event, both things that have come out of the event and some of the things that have led up to his ability to create this event because Brandon is an excellent networker. He's excellent at building relationships with people with providing value and hopefully you can learn from some of his experiences and some of the knowledge that he has to offer because I definitely have myself. So hopefully you find this episode useful. You can find the show notes over at cigpodcast.com. You'll find the uh, episode 113 link on the page there, and you'll find links to everything that we mentioned in the episode along with links to rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you want to support the show. So that's all I've got for this intro. Hopefully you enjoy this interview with Brandon. Let's get into it. Brandon, welcome to the show. Yo, man, how you doing? I'm excited to be on the show, buddy. Yeah, man, it's been a while since we talked, wasn't it? I think the last time we talked was at that coffee shop with those uh, real estate guys,
1: <laughs> those, and then we oh, like snuck nice. into
0: that that old abandoned house to look at it.
1: Yeah, we're looking at the house, you know that. I think they're actually, they're still going to make that happen. I, I might even crash on their couch here and there, but dude, okay. they, they got some cool got ideas with the entrepreneurship house.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was cool. So I don't remember when we met. It was probably when I was still in college. We got introduced by Cactus Shack Berenger. That was right. Yeah. And uh, I know you had, you had done one invention at that point. And at some point, maybe a couple of years ago, you started telling me like, I want to have this crazy event for young entrepreneurs. I'm going to bring like 10,000 people to Des Moines. I'm going to yeah. get Nationally recognized speakers, and I was like, you know, I'm a pretty entrepreneurial guy myself, pretty excitable guy myself, but I was like, that's a little crazy. Like, I don't know if Des Moines has ever had a 10,000 person event before, and you're like, well, I'm gonna kickstart it, I'm gonna crowdfund it, get it all, and you freaking did it, man. So- I didn't do
1: 10,000, but I did have a big event, but you know what? I, I realized that, like, it doesn't matter if you shoot for the stars, you're going to land for the moon. Yeah, And we learned a lot and for a first time around. I mean, it was actually back in like August when we talked about this. Yeah. Wow. Time goes fast. Mm-hmm. August, when I told you this and within eight months, none of us had created an event. The biggest event I had done was my senior party and <laughs> 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 a couple hundred people at, but no, we, uh, we came together and it, I believe, is Iowa's largest or one of Iowa's largest entrepreneurial events that was put on for young entrepreneurs and big success.
0: That's amazing. So let's let's break down exactly what it was because, I mean, I'm guessing most people listening to this aren't from Iowa. Yeah. But, I mean, you had Kevin Harrington, who's on Shark Tank speaking. You had, yeah. who else? Uh, Kevin, Herring,
1: Karen, Kevin Harrington, Riddle Shark Shark Tank inventor of the infomercial. Got John Lee Dumas, uh, podcaster, Entrepreneur on Fire. Got him, got Ken Shamrock, the most dangerous man in the world. Is he
0: like a UFC fighter guy?
1: He was UFC fighter, UFC Hall of Fame. I mean, he's fought Kimbo Slice. He's uh, (laughs) got knocked out by Kimbo Slice. But cool guy. Caleb Maddox, he's like a very – he's 14 years old. He's a motivational speaker, but the kid is just killing it. He came to the event. And then uh, other great speakers that came in. I was luckily able to leverage some of the past podcast guests I had for my podcast show, but also – Just some networks I had. I mean, once we got Kevin Harrington on board, Mm -hmm. it was like the rest came, especially with the sponsorship and everything. If you get a big name, they want to see that and they want to be associated with that, especially Shark Tank. I mean, yeah, people just go crazy over Shark Tank.
0: So I thought this was a really cool story because you're not that far out of college, right? I mean, you're 26. You've been out of college. When did you graduate? I graduated 2013.
1: So So I graduated 2013. wow 2012
0: it was one year yeah one year before me so i mean it's been a little while but it's still not super long and we're still somewhat young i'm a little older than you but uh yeah it's fresh
1: out of college and i still i have interns at iowa state university and uh, i go and speak to every once in a while i thought it's funny i went back and spoke to the business school and this big i remember going up and speaking i'm thinking to myself like my first semester here, I got a one point six eight GPA. I wasn't the <laughs> smartest kid, and like now they're having me paying me to come speak here. I'm thinking like, yeah, I like this a lot. <laughs> uh, well, but I guess you no, it really turned you know, it around. Yeah, it turns around. I mean, I think uh, in life, if you really just want something, same for the event we put on. If you believe in something enough. And you build a team around it and you just work on it. Anything's possible. Mm -hmm. And that's what we had done with the Young Entrepreneur Convention. We just worked towards it. I literally just worked my butt off to make it happen. And there were some things we did that really scared me. But uh, it happened. And now knowing that we did it successful once in Des Moines, Iowa, we know we can do it anywhere in the country.
0: Yeah. So I'd love to break down exactly how this kind of came to be because You know, you and I haven't like hung out a ton of times. I haven't known you since you were freshman year everything, but I think I can kind of pick out a few threads that may have helped lead to this. And I mean, now you're leveraging this into even bigger things. But let's, I mean, let's just take the, the event itself. You had this big event. How many people came to it?
1: So we just had the whole infographic go out. We had close to 500 people come total between the two days. And then we had, we reached over a million people on social media and that was like organic, man. We didn't spend much on ads. And we had 14 speakers and five food trucks there, and I don't know, 30 booths. So it was quite a bit. It was pretty cool to see. I mean, we got a lot of media attention throughout the thing. We got an Inc. online. The day before the event went out, we got on an Inc. They, and wow. then they even said we were the top five most innovative Young entrepreneur Conference in the country. That was rated by Inc. too, which is sweet. And just to say, like, all this came together in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. It was cool to see. So I guess you want to break down how we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to start out, I mean, I had the idea. And like most people, Thomas, when you get an idea, like you just you consume your mind on it, you obsess over it and you can't sleep at night. Yep. You just like, dude, I gotta <laughs> do this. Like we've talked before and everything you've done was huge success. Congrats. And it's like you obviously when you consume your mind with it, you just make it happen. And for me, I had in 2015, I had traveled the country. And interviewed people for my podcast, the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I traveled and interviewed people in Bentonville, Ohio, LA, you name it.
0: And so wait, you were going, you were actually going around physically to people to interview them?
1: Yeah, they're crazy. I so what I did differently is I went to their office. Like I literally would travel to them, set up the show in their office and interview them because I wanted to get a connection with them, which is well worth it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I had a friend who really wanted to do that, and he was like, I'm gonna do a road trip across the country, interview people in my car. He didn't do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I was sleeping in my truck. I was
1: sleeping in my truck and doing all this stuff. But, okay, I did that for the first six months, and then I realized, like, okay, it's really expensive to travel and, like, is time-consuming, but mm-hmm. I'm glad I did it at the beginning. So I did that. But what I found out is a lot of people that were coming to me, they, the younger entrepreneurs, the college, the millennials, they said, how do I even start my own business? Like, how do I become an entrepreneur? And these are people that are either in college, about to graduate, or – They were people that were working the nine to five and they wanted to start their own venture. They just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And after you get enough feedback from something, you realize that here's an opportunity to create a company or to create an event. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to create one of the top events in the country for millennials to support them. And not specifically targeting towards us because, I mean, we're full-time entrepreneurs, but people that want to become an entrepreneur, they're just getting curious. We wanted to be a support system. So they come to this event. They can get connections. They can have people that can help them start their own business. I just wanted to be very value added to them. So had the idea, and when I committed to it, I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I knew I needed a team. I reached out to some of my past podcast guests. Mm -hmm. I reached out to some of the people I knew. I said, here's the deal. I am going to create this event no matter what. I would love to have you on the journey with me. And there's opportunities in life that we have. Here's one that you don't want to pass up. Because if you do, you'll regret it the rest of your life. This is going to be awesome. And within, I think it was six weeks, I uh, built a team of over 12 people that were on board. We co-created a movement. We didn't want to create a company. We wanted to co-create a movement. And we had regular meetings and we structured it. We had never done an event before, mm-hmm. but we all had different expertise. One created the Facebook or the website. Like we didn't have to pay for anything. We bootstrapped that. I just went and leveraged my network and did sponsorship. We created a packet. The hardest thing though, with this event was there was no proof of concept because we'd never done it before. So people were like, yeah, you're talking a big game, but like, how do you know how many people are going to come? Well, I just kept selling the vision. Like, this is what we're going to do. You saw me. I was saying 10,000, which was crazy, but still to have 500 people come to the event in Iowa first time is pretty good. Yeah. But to launch it off, we did a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. So my background, I have a company called keys of the crowd. We help people raise money. But I wanted to jumpstart it through Indiegogo, mm-hmm. so we did that campaign. We raised; it was a little over sixteen grand that actually showed on the page, but it allowed us to raise a lot more money that yeah. people didn't see.
0: Was the Indiegogo money kind of like a part of that proof of concept that lets you get more sponsorships from companies?
1: Yeah. So actually, some people during the campaign came on. We had one five thousand dollars sponsor came on during that actual campaign that pledged. We had people pledging a thousand dollars from like San Francisco, Bentonville, and they'd even like know us. One guy just gave us a grand and he just saw me and he said, dude, I believe in what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. So that was cool to see. But so what we did is we got the initial ticket sale sold. We gave a early bird pricing and we sold sponsorship packets, opportunities and all this. But this campaign itself that we did it allowed us to pay for the venue, allowed us to get some speakers uh, booked. And then from there, we just kind of leveraged that when we went out to get sponsorship. Hey, we have a campaign here. We're doing this. And one thing I'm good at is getting publicity so I can go on TV, podcast shows. I was going on podcast shows left and right, going on TV. But one of the things I did leverage was John Lee Dumas. Mm -hmm. So talk about a good bartering aspect. So John had hired me to do a crowdfunding campaign for the Freedom Journal, which you saw that campaign where he's a lot of money. It was incredibly successful. Yeah. $453,000 in 33 days is pretty sweet. But John, what he did is I helped him with his campaign, but he also committed to come speak. Mm-hmm. So he allowed me to come on his podcast show and promote to his audience. We had people reach out from all over the country. So John was a, a big name in the podcasting world. That was one speaker that we had put on the page. When you start getting these people on the page that you see that people actually committed to it, it attracts more people. Yeah, And it allows you to get more speakers. It allows you to get more sponsors. And then come January, no, actually it's like the first week in February, we finally sealed the deal. It took me four months to negotiate the deal to get Kevin Harrington to come speak.
0: Wow. How many conversations was that?
1: Oh, I bet he was 15.
0: Now was, were you able to reach out to him through Jack or was it through someone else?
1: So I had the connection with Jack because Jack had made a deal with him on Shark Tank, Mm -hmm. but I had sent him an email and his assistant Nadine got it. And Nadine communicated with me, I mean, back and forth because I mean, we're, we were a startup and his fee was quite high. I mean, and the thing is, but I, I, I really believed in him as an entrepreneur yeah. and I read his book and everything he had done. And I just thought he was a great person that really, truly wanted to help young entrepreneurs. And I want him to speak. It was like my goal. I'm like, I'm going to get him no matter what. We finally figured a way. We like basically made a leap of faith and committed to something that like, Hey, we'll figure it out as we go, which we did. And in the last like 30 days prior to the event, We we raised a lot of money to fund it all. Like we literally everything kind of fell in place in the last. Mm. It was crunch time, but Kevin Harrington was a big aspect of that. I mean, when you have Kevin Harrington, the Rizzle Shark Shark Tank Inventor, the infomercial, and the fact that we had a pitch competition, that people had the opportunity to actually pitch to him on stage. Really? Yeah. So we had I think seventy people submit, and sixty three total actually pitched, and so they not all of them got to pitch Kevin, Mm -hmm. but They pitched throughout the day. My co founder, Clayton Moody, is big on pitching. They have the company KinoSol, and he's been through, I think they've made like 40, 50 grand from doing pitch competitions. So he's big in that. And I've done pitching too. And we're like, let's create this where we can have people with a fresh idea come in and have the opportunity to pitch it from a shark. So the top, it was six people pitched on stage. I was the MC, and there's Kevin Harrington. We, oh, I forgot to mention Jeff Hoffman, the founder of Priceline, was a speaker and a judge. Okay. He was there and then Cactus Jack, and then uh, Tim Zarley, a Zarley Law Firm, mm-hmm. these people were the judges. So they had 90 seconds, no visuals. They gave the pitch in front of everybody. We had like 300 people in the crowd at that time. And then there's these people sitting at the table, and there's me cutting them off. We had a, you know, the screen next to us had 90 seconds, and it was going down and. Once it hit ninety, it did a loud buzzer. <laughs> it, it was so intense, like I'm like, this would be fun if I was pitching.
0: Yeah. Did anybody get like cut off, or were they? Able oh to, yeah, like, like I, yeah.
1: I stopped them, like stop. <laughs> 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 but because you can't let them get more, uh-huh. and it was Some of them had it on, like the the one group that won. I mean, it was Kinosol. She had it literally right on point. It was she had mastered it, and they ended up winning twenty five hundred cash, and the value of the packages for the top three prizes were over thirty grand. Wow. So they had a lot of incentive. Mm-hmm. So we had that and we just thought it was cool to give these people the opportunity to pitch. And some competitions, they like give you all these rules and everything. Like you literally could have came with a fresh idea, wrote in a napkin and pitch it to us. And we gave you the chance. We didn't want to like say, Hey, you can't because you're not far enough along. Mm-hmm. We wanted the the new starters to get an opportunity and that was cool. So the pitch competition was a huge success. Next year, our goal is to have over $100,000 worth of value because we want that to be a big part of the event because I think it's cool for people to be able to showcase their ideas and the fact that different deals went out. I mean, Kevin Harrington is still in talks with the other people that actually pitched and Jeff Hoffman. I mean, so many people got deals out of this event and so many companies were created like It was a huge success. In my mind, that's what I really wanted. I wanted to help other people. People are still talking about it. Just put in the hashtag YECDM. You can see all the pictures we have.
0: That's actually what I wanted to ask you is if anybody actually got a deal out of the pitch competition.
1: Yeah. So there's this cute little girl. Her name's Maya. And she's coming out of the book, Drama Free. Mm -hmm. She's, I think, eight years old. Nine. Really? So she came because she wanted to see Caleb Maddox, who's 14. Okay. And Like she came to the event and everything. I've been in contact with her mother and Caleb said, you need to write a book. So she created her own Facebook account. She did Facebook lives. She's going to, she's writing the book. She's coming out with it in July and she's going to take it to schools across Iowa. And her mom's going to keep in touch. Like Brandon, you don't realize this event is changing, impacting many lives. Like my little daughter is in love with you and Caleb, like everything you've done. And like, she's actually moving forward with this. Like that right there, that is worth everything we did to put that vent on that for a little amazing. girl. I know. Yeah. That was just one example. I mean, uh, a couple of my friends got some pretty good deals that I can't mention, but like they're they're in works and doing things just because mm-hmm. they got introduced to somebody at that event. Actually, one thing I will say, one of the people that pitched because of connection at that event with Jeff Hoffman, got them an hour call with uh, Steve Wozniak who created Apple. Really? Yes.
0: That's so cool.
1: That was sick. I said, dude, just so you know, like awesome. But like the time comes, I want to interview him eventually.
0: Yeah, dude, no, the Woz is like, he's a dream guest of mine. I would love to have him on the oh, show Oh, Wozniak
1: is so awesome. He's like, so cool. I mean, Steve Jobs is the one that pushed Wozniak to create Apple, but like oh, yeah. he's a genius.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy so, is absolutely a genius.
1: And he said he, when he talked to him on the call, like the guy is just like, he thinks of things in a whole new way. Mm. We were talking, about, it was a virtual reality product. And he gave us some good feedback. So that alone too, I mean, having Jeff Hoffman come in. I mean, most people, Jeff Hoffman is one of the greatest speakers I've ever heard. Just again, he's the founder of Priceline. He's, I mean, he's created some big companies and he's not as known for like famous for being a speaker, but he's he's really good. Yeah. And to get him to come in, that was a lot of strings to pull. I mean, mm-hmm. I spoke with him at the CEO conference. I said, hey man, I'm creating a first time event. I'd love to have you there. And it literally, it was consistency. I just kept emailing his assistant and kept at it and I got him. He almost didn't get in too. So some people don't know his ticket was booked to Boise, Idaho.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And 24 hours before they told us this, I'm like, what?
0: I'm like, He's going to speak tomorrow.
1: <laughs> we made the change. We got him there like an hour before he spoke.
0: Oh my God. So and, did you have someone on your team managing all the travel for all the guests?
1: So we had, so we had somebody, a student from Iowa State University, BMW was a sponsor, mm-hmm. so we got to use their car, and he picked up all the speakers from the airport, and then we basically covered all their hotel stay, we made a custom note for them and everything, but we made their experience great so they wouldn't forget Des Moines. Yeah, but yeah, we had him, like, literally, we had him get him from the airport and bring him right to the
0: event. So this was your first event that you ever put on, and I know you've been to lots of events, but I remember when we talked, Like I think we were sitting in the Science Center one time when you yeah. first told me about your idea to do this, And I was just like, have you thought of, you know, this, this, this? Have you thought of like 10,000 people? What kind of hotels are you going to do? What kind of preparation did you have to do to make sure all the little details of the event were spot on? Did you have to hire someone who was experienced or?
1: No. So this is where a team comes in. So like something like this, I could not do on my own, man. Like we have seven co-founders. And we had said we wanted to co-create a movement. And to that, do that, we needed to have a team. Each person had their expertise, one that gets sponsorship. I, I'm the PR manager to go out and get promotion, do podcast shows like this. And I was going to MC and I spoke at the event too. But then Amanda Bullen, she has a big podcast show called She Did It Her Way. Mm-hmm. It's actually just got rated top five by Forbes. She has all successful women on. Wow! So she leveraged that audience, but she did all the back end. So like anything with the hotels, she set up for every speaker – she communicated with them to line up for their hotel, their flights, and then she. Uh, we had somebody that worked with all the sponsors in the booths. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to an event that people don't think of, and yeah. that that's the stuff. Like, I had my hands involved with everything the first time around, but I had people in charge of that. My big thing was sealing sponsorship deals, and I was really working with some of the speakers because they were on my own network, and then just making sure to get the people in the room, which, I mean- That's hard sometimes to get people actually there, like how to sell them the value. Now, with the proven track writer success, it's going to be so much easier. But that first time around, I mean, my advice for anybody that wants to put on an event is sell the vision. Sell them where you're going to go and how awesome it's going to be. Create an experience. I believe the very unique thing, and you look on our page, just go to Young Entrepreneur Convention. On the Facebook page, there's a picture of all the speakers and the people part of the team, and we're just doing a funny photo. Mm -hmm. There's Ken Shamrock putting Des Woodruff in a a headlock, choking. And there's uh, Kevin Harrington's got his hands up. John Lee Dubas is actually cheers in a drink. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Like, it was so creative, but, like, somebody pointed out to me, they're like, dude, you see this? Like, this is something you don't usually see. Like, everybody got access. Like, you're all hanging out and buddies. Everybody that spoke at the event were there all day. They didn't just speak and leave. Like, JLD went out with us that night. We had fun, like. Everybody stayed there and interacted. You got to take pictures. You got to talk to them. So-called pick their brain, get their numbers. Like this was a different experience. We want to create our events millennial approach where it's fun. There's no like big rules. You don't have to have this big schedule. Like we create random stuff along the way. When I emceed, like may have dropped a couple f bombs, but uh, (laughs) we just we were fun and creative. And um, that's I believe what we are as millennials. We're doing our own thing, and we want to be creative and we don't want to have like the past people done like they have their their rules and how they do things we want it to be more mm. open minded and collaborative yeah and that's the experience we created with the event which is unique and different
0: that's awesome i can really attest to how difficult it is to balance an event that feels fun and feels spontaneous and everything but is got all the little details on lock i remember i when i first went to fincon which is like a financial bloggers conference last year. And I was like, you know, finance, not exactly the most fun thing. It was the most fun conference I've ever been to because the guy who runs it, PT, he just like his team is so on point with every little detail that you wouldn't even think of until it annoys you when it's like not there. So it's really cool that you guys were able to build a team that even if you had, you know, no prior conference building experience yourself, you were able to kind of put it all together, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, it's cool to see. And now, like, obviously moving forward, it's a lot easier. I mean, we have people reaching out from all the country who want to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So our our long-term model is to have this in other countries, or not other countries, maybe other countries, but other states, and take it to LA, take it to Kansas City, take it to North Carolina. Yeah, We have people that want to do this, but we want to make sure we get one more under our belt, and then from there, we're going to open a model where we do duplicate it in other cities, because I want to have it in every single state. I mean- why you see uh, Omaha, why you see LA, like, I, it's so much fun. And for me, I can go in and MC these events and speak at them. It's uh, something I really love to do. And the fact to see that we create something from nothing, but turns into an entrepreneurial movement that supports millennials across the country. Yep. That's a whole vision with behind it. And that was at the beginning what I wanted to do. And we're doing that. And we have the best team to do. it. I believe we have one of the best teams to put on an event. And everybody that I've talked to, like, We got feedback from all the people that went to the event. They're like, this is better than some events that I've been seeing going on for five years. Mm -hmm. It looks like you guys have been doing this for a while. And everybody loved it. And that is awesome to see. So obviously, if you have the proof of concept and you have the feedback that's good, you can continue to do it. And most events, they do a couple. I mean, one of them, sadly, Entree Fest didn't happen this year. And that's Mm -hmm. a huge event in Iowa. And they canceled, which I was mad because I'd been to that three times And that supported a lot of things came out of that. Yeah. So uh, events, they say a lot of them, they happen and eventually die out. Ours will not die out. Not as long as I'm alive. This will go for years and years to come because I want to build something great with this.
0: Well, you're immortalizing it on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) No, that's really cool, though, because there's a couple of events I've been to that they didn't repeat. And one of them did repeat one year. So it was two years in a row. And I loved it. It was so good. And then there, ha- it hasn't been on since. You know, I've been like, kind of waiting. Like, when's the next one going to be? I want to go to. It. I don't care where it is.
1: I'm so like so. I, in the last two weeks, I've I've spoken at a couple events, and I've been at other ones. And like, I'm addicted. So I'm actually next week putting one on for Kevin Harrington. We're doing a mastermind in Tampa. Really? So yeah. Since by the way, from me having Kevin speak at my event we end up doing a crowdfunding campaign together on Indiegogo it raised about 40 grand, mm-hmm. but also I'm writing a book with Kevin and I'm working with him on multiple projects. So I guess I kind of made a deal with the guy on shark tank, but we, <laughs> we don't really like, I wasn't on shark tank, Yeah, but he, uh, so we're putting on a mastermind for him in Tampa. And then I'm looking to do Another event in San Diego in the fall that I'm putting on with a bunch of my friends. So like, I'll be putting a lot more events on yeah. YC is going to be the major one, but, uh, I think it's fun to bring like-minded individuals together because that synergy, the what happens in that room is just blows your mind. Every time I go to an event, I I help somebody add value them or a business deal comes out or something good comes out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of the mastermind. I mean, when you bring a lot of like-minded individuals together, it's it's crazy what ideas come out of it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: The power of it. It's collaboration, it's synergy, it's uh mastermind. I mean, it's good stuff. So I, I, a lot of people live for events. I do too. And I've been to a lot of great ones and it's cool to say that we've created one ourselves.
0: I got to mention for anyone listening to this, there's an episode called Jedi councils and it's, that's my term for mastermind group. So whoever has listened to it, go check it out. Yeah. I mean, mastermind group is an okay term, but it seems. A little businessy to me. So I like Jedi councils better, but totally agree there. It seems like you in particular are really good at meeting someone in one context and then kind of, making that relationship go in a different direction like you know you met john lee dumas through i'm guessing your podcast yeah and then you did a crowdfunding campaign with him and then he came spoke at your event like
1: i think my biggest asset as a person thomas is this like i i'm really good at networking Mm -hmm. but when i if i can get in a room with somebody we end up coming out coming up with a way to work with each other and the biggest thing with that is if anybody wants to be able to work with anybody it just comes down to adding value. Like some people go into a conversation the wrong way, like what's in it for me? Well, I'm always in a way, how can I help you? Yeah. And I did that for John. I added massive value to John Lee Dumas. The return, it gave me massive value. I mean, that camping alone is huge. For Kevin Harrington, we added massive value to him and now he's added massive value. I mean, the fact that I get a testimonial from a guy from Shark Tank and in a book with him, that's huge. So my advice is for anybody, if you want to be a great networker, Figure out ways you can help somebody and actually help them. Some will be like, oh, I want to help you out, but they never do anything. Actually follow up and help them and introduce them. Once you build up a network, you can introduce them to people. Like they tell you what they need help with. Be like, hey, what do you need help with? They Mm -hmm. tell you, you you'd be like, I know this guy that can help you. You connect them. You may not get anything out of it, but the thing is you help them and they'll never forget that. And it's a pay it forward effect.
0: Yeah. And to refine a couple of these, I think this is a really good place to refine a couple of these tips because These are definitely good things to do. You hit it right on the head when you said, don't just ask, how can I help you? Because a lot of times I'll have people like, how can I help? That actually just throws the ball into the other person's court. So if you can identify a problem area for them by studying their work and then offer something like you have obviously done, that's so much more valuable. And then with introducing, I love it when people ask me if I would like to be introduced to somebody. Yeah. But I don't love it when people just pop an email introduction into my inbox unsolicited, which maybe that's a personal thing. I don't know how you feel about that. But for me, it's like, okay. well, I mean, I like meeting people, but like, I don't know if there is a reason for us to work together right now or maybe it's like somebody that we couldn't work together. I don't
1: know. No, I get it. And like I I get a lot of introductions lately, more and more. And I think you're like me. I'm, I'm not very good at checking my emails,
0: but just like, <laughs> I'm terrible it is, at it.
1: Like I literally, since the event, I still need to go back through my emails and reply to some of them. Mm-hmm. I feel bad, but it's just like, there's only so much time. I, so many things going on. Yeah, But yeah, I think uh, you should be like, Hey, would you like an introduction? Mm-hmm. And then actually give them a value introduction. And when you do the introduction, talk them up. You're like, Hey, this person is a superstar. This is why I think they can add value because that makes me feel good. People that have done introduction be like, Hey, Here's Brandon T. Adams. He's the king of crowdfunding. He's doing this and that. Like right away, you're basically telling that person, this is somebody I believe in. Yeah. And because that person knows that person, you have that instant credibility. That's a true introduction that actually turns into something.
0: Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. I mean, you've got all these value adds you can give right now. Do you remember back when you were a student, kind of how you started doing this? How did you start building relationships when you're like, I'm a student? Because a lot of students think, you know, what can I offer? So, what did you offer?
1: Well, I mean, my college years again. I, I my freshman year, I got a one point six eight GPA. I my mind was in different places, mm-hmm. but uh, I uh, I do remember a class. I can't remember what it was at Iowa State, or maybe it was a presentation where we talked about adding value mm-hmm. and how. When you add value, it comes back in return so much more. And I really, that embedded in my brain. I can't remember where it was, but I do remember that specific time. And I just always remembered, like, if I can add value to others and if I can make myself valuable, it's going to help me come back tenfold. And I just focused on adding massive value to others and building relationships because it is all who you know. Yeah. And if you add value to the right people, uh, I mean, the earliest one on was – Cactus Jack Beringer. I mean, mm-hmm. he literally, I got to say, opened up doors to where I'm at now. He was, I mean, a great mentor that had been through so much. You need to find a great mentor. And I'd found him in college mm-hmm. and I learned from him, but I learned how to add value to others in that process. So the biggest thing I would say is if you can add value to people, you can you can go anywhere.
0: Was I think he's the reason we know each other. Did he you is. meet him through the entrepreneurship coordinator? Because that's how I met him.
1: Yeah. So he spoke at a class. Um, it was an extra credit for me for SpeechCom 212. But I heard him speak and he led me to think and grow rich. I okay. read the book. It changed my life. But also he was somebody I interviewed for a class to get a f- insight from an entrepreneur. And after I interviewed him, he said, Brandon, you become what you think about most of the time. And that was like I didn't get at the time. But it's from thinking to rich. Whatever you consume your mind with is what you become. Mm-hmm. And I really took that to heart in everything I do now, and it's allowed me to do the success I've had. Yeah, he opened the doors. I mean, obviously, he had helped me out a lot with my invention, Arctic Stick. He had uh, association with Barbara Cork and Kevin Harrington and uh, some other great people that I'm great friends with today. So it's cool to see where things take you. Yeah. And he was kind of the beginning of it, and now we're great friends. Might even actually be doing some other deals in the future with some stuff he's got with his projects. Yeah, it, it's cool to see going back in time for me, that that junior kid in, in height or college, seeing this guy and just introduced myself and offering value to him. I think I offered him, a, he can come hunt in my land. He's a big hunter. <laughs> Anyways, he just led one thing to another. And before mm-hmm. you know, we're working together. And before you know, I'm working with Kevin Harrington. So the domino effect. It That's takes awesome. time. It takes patience, though, too.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty small for me too. I think he wanted someone to help him build a website or something, and then I built his website. And then that, over over the college, I was like his tech support guy. So <laughs> like, yeah, fixed his I computer a million times.
1: And when he told me, I remember him talking about just some of the things you were doing, and I'm like, you got to connect with this guy. He seems like just like me. And then finally connected, and then I think it took uh, like six months before we actually talked. And then finally, one thing after another, and now, well, here we are.
0: Yeah, man, that's cool. So. I know. You were telling me, I think this is really good stuff. You were telling me about a TV show that you guys are building.
1: Yeah. So this, like this is talk about not sleeping at night. Like, <laughs> This is like my like, dream come true. Like, so we both interview people for podcast shows. Mm-hmm. We're doing that same concept, but we're we're creating a TV show out of it. So I, I partnered up with a guy. Again, wait, this leads back. This came from the event, by the way. So ambitious.com, guy by the name of Greg Roulette. He's a pretty superstar. He actually almost made a big become a rapper. And he, uh, <clears throat> what he did is he saw what we're doing for Young Entrepreneur Convention. He's out of Orlando, Florida. And in the last week, they came on as a sponsor, actually one of our bigger sponsors. And he came to the event. He spoke. They sponsored it. I talked to him. Two weeks later, I went down to his studio in Orlando, talked for five hours live on crowdfunding.
0: Yes. Five-hour live event?
1: Yeah. Five hours. It's
0: ridiculous.
1: I talk in crowd. You could talk in crowdfunding that much. So we talked <laughs> about that the next day. He told me what he's doing with this TV show. He already had the pilot made mm-hmm. and we're there going around to 10 cities across the country and interviewing superstar young entrepreneurs in that city and turn it into a show. Well, he thought about doing a Kickstarter campaign to fund it all. And I'm like, I gave him so many ideas. I'm like, we could do this. We could do that. We do that. Is say, within 24 hours, we had shook hands, made a deal. Now, I'm one of the main leads in the show. It's Greg Roulette, Lois Silva, and me, Brennan T. Adams, on the show. And we're interviewing people all across the country in different cities. So as of now, we have Des Moines probably going to be one of the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at Omaha. We're doing St. Pete, Florida. We're going to probably do California, Portland, Oregon, New York. And uh, actually talking to somebody later today, potentially – a guy from Shark Tank that made a deal with Kevin O'Leary in Cleveland, Ohio and Boston. So what we're going to do is in July 11th, we'll launch the Kickstarter campaign and our goal is $100,000. We'll probably have $100,000 funding the first day. And then starting towards the end of July, August, September, October, we'll go out and film. So we're traveling the country, man, and just seeing cool entrepreneurs, get to associate with them and have it on camera. We have an Emmy Award winning film crew and we're gonna turn it into a TV show. So for me, like this is cool. This is like Young Entrepreneur Convention to hold steroids yeah. and filming it. But this came, this TV show, how did I get on it? From Young Entrepreneur Convention.
0: Yeah, so I know you have a couple of experiences doing crowdfunding campaigns that have been successful. Yeah. But what specifically makes you so confident that you will get $100,000 on the first day of the uh, campaign? Because that's insane.
1: You wanna hear a secret?
0: Yes, I do. (laughs)
1: You wanna hear a little secret? So you have to raise thirty to forty percent of your total funding goal in the first forty eight hours.
0: Is that like a that's like a rule? Is it like all successful campaigns do that basically? I've studied
1: so many campaigns. And it's a rule of thumb. If you don't raise that in the first 48 hours, your chances of success are slim.
0: It kind of makes sense because you have that initial push and then you have the end push where it's all like scarcity and everything like that. But in, in the middle, there's not really a whole lot of excitement, right?
1: The middle is hard. You got to keep the momentum going at the end. There's a big push too. But mm-hmm. with the algorithm, um, with the most attraction to the page and the amount of money pledge and contributions and traction, they put you up towards the front of the page so more people see you and you're more likely okay. to get more pledges. It goes organic. So, what we do is, so 100 grand is our, our total funding goal. Mm-hmm. We need 100 grand to film it. But right now, so for $10,000, you can get a segment of the show, but we got to verify it. Like, not just anybody can get on. So, we have like a submission process. So, we already, I mean, this is, I don't know when this is going to air, but like, I already have five people committed um, to buy segments. So, people are already basically saying we are going to pledge 10 grand on day one to buy the segment. So we'll okay. have 10, $10,000 segments committed Yeah, calling, doing cold calls and getting these people committed. So on day one, we have $100,000 committed. We raise a hundred grand in five hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it goes organic and we get attraction from media. We get attraction from other potential segments. We get more sales. So more people that buy the season of the show for 10 bucks, you can get a whole season downloadable and just so many more things that come out of it. So for anybody doing a campaign, what people don't realize is you need to get people committed to back on day one. Yeah. And that's what we do. So that's why I'm confident we will raise that in the first day.
0: So the way you're doing this, I mean you're calling them up beforehand. You could just take ten grand from them directly, but by having them pledge, even though you're giving up ten percent to Kickstarter, that's boosting it up to the front page. It's it's like a Reddit submission, basically. Sounds it's like
1: basically I mean you're still paying eight, nine percent with mm. the credit card processing the, the fee for Kickstarter, but that percent is so worth it because it's allowing you to reach so more so many more people. Mm-hmm. But well, also with crowdfunding, what it does is if you're ever looking for investment, it'll attract investors. I mean, some of our campaigns, we have people come and say, we want to invest with your company. Yeah. It gets me attention, but for us, it gets attraction to these bigger networks. So yeah. we might attract ABC or anybody to get a big show. So yep. it's well worth the investment for us. And it's just a way to jumpstart. I mean, crowdfunding has turned into a whole new way to to take things to market,
0: mm-hmm. and it seems like a lot of uh, video games are doing that now too. Where they'll they'll go yeah. on Kickstarter, and you know, once a publisher sees like, oh man, this game raised two million dollars in Kickstarter, then the publisher will take it on, add a ton more funding. You know, goes from there.
1: I mean, I can give you stories left and right. There's, I think, Arcadius was one campaign, just a cool example. They raised like two and a half million on Kickstarter. Eighteen months later, they got bought out for a billion dollars. Oh, the Pebble Watch, their first campaign around, they raised ten million, but in the next eighteen months, they attracted thirty more million in investment.
0: What's, a, so, what's so? What's Arcadius?
1: I think it's Arcadius. Don't quote me in that. But uh, have you ever read the book Bold? Mm-mm. Peter DeMendez, De I think they talk about in that book about this campaign that did that. Well, maybe Arcadius. It, it's just I know the campaign raised two and a half million, but they end up selling out for a billion less than two years later because they had a lot of traction and they tracked investors. It's just a cool little success story to see that they jump-started through Kickstarter, a crowdfunding campaign, and it allowed them to have huge success in the future.
0: That's awesome, man. It's
1: fun. It, uh, this is cool Dude, stuff.
0: It seems like you got a lot of balls in the air.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I'm
0: saying. It's sleep- insane. <laughs> yeah. It's cool to have known you because I can kind of see like a, some of the path. You know, a little bit of hindsight there, and yeah, it's-
1: in the last eight months, and I keep saying this to my business partner, like in the last month, so many opportunities come in. We're looking like two months from now, we don't even know what kind of opportunities. Like the guy we got doing our one of our websites now, he's like he he created part of Avatar. We meet people that just, and these are like twenty one year olds. These are like nineteen. One of my Facebook ads guy, he's probably the best in the country. I will put him against anybody. And he's 19 years old. Like these kind of people attract to us. And it's so cool because so many opportunities to come, a TV show. And after the TV show, I mean, I'm doing a speaking tour, another book. Like success breeds success. Yeah. It all starts with one thing. And Young Entrepreneur Convention was one of them big things that started it.
0: Yeah. Dude, thank you for coming on the show. I know you have like a thank bunch of having- projects. What's like the best place for someone to go if they want to? see your stuff connect with you etc
1: very simple my name brandon T adams.com they can go to brandon com and literally everything's there you can see there's uh, posts there for how to get a segment on the TV show we're doing if you want to be on the TV show you get opportunity if this airs early enough but uh brandont Adams.com you can find me and if you want to find me on social media uh, I'm Brandon T Adams 18 or Snapchat I know You're not much of a Snapchat. I am literally, I Snapchat. I did like 40 snaps yesterday.
0: Oh my God.
1: So BT Adams 18, I tell everybody you're going to hate me or love me. (laughs) I I literally. It's like my own reality TV show because I'm meeting with so many cool people and I get to bring you into my life and show you the deals I get to see every day. Mm -hmm. So you can like relate it. Like you can see Kevin Harrington. You can see some very, very successful people. And I want to share that with the world. So through Snapchat, I do that.
0: I think you have a a more Snapchat worthy life. <laughs> if I'm going to Snapchat, like it's going to be me at a coffee shop reading a Bayesian statistics book, trying to pull <laughs> tips for a math video or like Oops. editing a clip. Like Check this out. <laughs> we have been doing this for eight hours.
1: <laughs> it depends on the platform, man. But if you ever hanging out with me, you'll probably be on like five of my Snapchat. It
0: stories. probably will be. <laughs> Well, you're on Manhattan, but uh, we got to get together and have coffee soon or something.
1: No, definitely, man. When I'm back, I'll hit you up and we'll uh, we'll we'll have some uh, coffee and see where synergy goes.
0: All right, man. Hey, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much, bud.
0: All right, guys. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Once again, you can find the show notes over at cigpodcast.com. Find the 113 link on the page to get everything we mentioned. Also. If you want to support this show, like I said in the intro, you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's really easy. It takes just a couple of minutes to do if you have iTunes installed, and uh, also, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast on iTunes or in any other podcast app that you uh, have access to that you prefer to use, that's definitely a way to get new episodes delivered every single week, but if you do happen to use the Apple Podcasts app or the Google Play one, I know that subscriptions help to kind of bump the show up the rankings in uh, those two different marketplaces, respectively, so... If you want to support the show, that's one way to do it. But also, a rating review on iTunes is a really great way to support the show and help it move up the charts and be visible to more students. So that's how you can support it. But either way, I really appreciate the fact that you just listened to this show. I really hope that you found it valuable. And that is all I've got for this episode. So uh, until next week, stay cute.